cannot deal with Blue Surfing Monkey on any <laughs> level. Hello, and welcome to the AfterSpark Podcast, an episode-by-episode recap of the Generation 1 Transformers cartoon. I'm Els. And I'm Specs. And today we're going to be talking about episode number 54, Hoist Goes Hollywood. Let's talk about giant robots and movies today, shall we? Are we going to be the paparazzi? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to offer pointless criticism. <laughs> yes, just like real life. <laughs> we open with Spike, Carly, and Hoist on a leisurely drive in the beautiful Pacific Northwest somewhere near the Ark. I'm pretty sure we've seen these backgrounds before. Like, I think they're saving some money and they're being thrifty. They really do look like some of these same backgrounds as in that first episode with the chase with a uh, laser beak. Yeah, basically. Or like the, the first, what, five parter, three parter, whatever the fuck. Yeah, it was. I, think it was, I think it was three. Uh, when suddenly a red car goes speeding past. Spike says the guy is going to go to his own funeral if he doesn't drive safely. Well, that gets morbid real fast. Doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And then a, another car, a blue one this time, goes speeding past them quickly afterwards as well. Oh boy. Hoist loses his roof here. And he definitely had a roof in earlier scenes. Yeah, like, there's there's no, like, oh, he pulls his roof back to get a better view. It's just gone in, like, a shot. Mm-hmm. So the blue car then goes careening off a dead end, landing roof down on top of the red car. Much like a car sandwich, but, you know, with... No filling. As Carly, Spike, and Hoist follow the cars, they are yelled at by a director for ruining his shot. (laughs) Unfortunately for our stunt drivers, as they have now been revealed, the whole car sandwich thing was not planned. (laughs) There is so much wrong with this. It sure is an amazing coinky-dink they landed like that, isn't it? (laughs) Amazing for their safety, yeah. (laughs) The cars lose control and their brakes have evidently failed as they careen off Yet another cliff. But thankfully, Hoist is here. Carly has faith in Hoist. As she should. Hoist is just a guy you can put so much faith in. Yeah, he, he's a good boy. You can put so much faith in that tow truck. <laughs> <laughs> so the cars have now come to a precarious halt on a rock ledge below the film crew, and Hoist transforms into robot mode and climbs down to get them, essentially. Mm-hmm. The two stunt guys do seem to be relatively unharmed as we see them helping each other get out of their vehicles. And Hoist is able to grab them just as the two cars slide down the mountain. Because, like, while the two guys have been getting out, they've been teetering. Yeah. And it's just been, I bet it was super nerve-wracking for these characters. So the film director is now super excited about Hoist. Spike spots some... Real movie actors. I can't be excited, but Christ, kid, you're friends with giant robot aliens from outer space, and that seems so much cooler. (laughs) Spike, you are, like, one of the first teenagers to be on the moon. Right? (laughs) So our two movie actors are Karen Fishhook and Harold Edzel, who are based off of Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford. And we did some research on this. The Edsel was actually an older model of Ford that basically crashed and burned. <laughs> and I have to give the writer's credit. That's actually pretty darn funny because I didn't know what it was until Spice had looked it up. And I was like, actually, that's a really funny joke. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
the director wants Hoist to come work for him. Spike, of course, volunteers instead, with Carly saying, but you're not a vehicle robot. And Spike responding, I'll fake it, I'll fake it. <laughs> so much enthusiasm there, kids. <laughs> Hoist does accept the position, and the director hands off some passes to the movie studio to Spike. Elsewhere, at the Decepticon base, Dirge is phoning home. <laughs> But uh, Megatron's grand scheme for this episode is dashed when Dirge, phoning that he is completely out of energy, then crashes into a swamp, all the while holding some important cargo. Like, what this important cargo is for is never really gone into, really, or what the hell it actually does. <laughs> or is supposed to do, but yeah, it's super important. We wait on the edge of our seats. So Megatron sends Thrust, Ramjet, and Astro Train out to rescue Dirge. The swamp is, naturally, right next door to the movie studio that Hoist, Carly, and Spike arrive at. The director seems significantly less enthused by Hoist today. And Hoist, much to his frustration, is quickly joined by Trax, Warpath, Sunstreaker, and Powerglide. They are just horning on in here? And how did they even sneak onto <laughs> a movie set? Like, yes. Who would stop them? They're giant robots. I mean, how would they stop them, rather? Well, they definitely couldn't stop Powerline. The guy can literally fly right in. But, I mean, what are you going to do to stop a tank? <laughs> Pretty much. So Spike says, the Autobots have gone movie mad. The kids definitely share a look like, this is not our problem. <laughs> not today. <laughs> Like, geez, you could probably get some interesting socio-political exploration out of this if someone wrote fanfiction about it, but instead we've just got this. this. The director happily hires all of them for his action picture. Oh, there's so much going wrong with this movie. Cue the Autobots crashing into a lot of things, with much kissing from the human co-stars. Um, I forgot what their, na their first names were, but Fishhook and Edsel. So much kissing. And then poor Hoist having to tow everyone away after their scenes. What an action robot thing. Cleaning up after everyone. It's just like real life for Hoist. Yeah. And then the director finds Dirge still in the swamp and is angry because he did not ask for a plane in his swamp set. Because apparently they've just got a real ass swamp for their swamp set. <laughs> or close enough. Um, the Autobots commiserate about the roles they've been given. They should unionize! Poor Hoist is like, what the heck do you want me to do about it? And so they nominate Hoist to go talk to the director. This is them unionizing. <laughs> the director, after staring at Dirge for a bit, has decided to work him into the picture. This director is shit and I, I feel terrible for everyone who has to work with him. Yeah! Because changing this kind of shit constantly during a shoot is not something you could do. At least not this fucking drastically. Yeah, I really hope his poor writers are getting paid well for all these damn rewrites. I have a feeling they're not. God, maybe he's just flying by the seat of his pants and is hoping that the editors will be able to, to cut something. <laughs> by I'm together. getting together, or uh, that I'm getting from this. Yeah. Or God, maybe he's going to use it for like five different mini pictures. Considering, <laughs> considering how many different shots have involved crash, kiss, crash, kiss. Because <laughs> what, there were sci-fi, western, and then whatever the fuck the other thing was? I, there were a lot of different genres going on here. Yeah. I will say I think the sci-fi stuff came 
after this, but even then, a lot of different genres were happening here. Yeah, that's true. Hoist attempts to talk to the director, but the director just blows him off and calls him Hoist. <laughs> Instead of his real name. All the Autobots but Hoist leave, and the three Decepticons arrive to finally retrieve Dirge. The director has his cameraman film the whole thing, at least until Thrust shoots the camera, and this is one of those big ol' cameras. Then, through the powers of miscoloration, Thrust transforms and flies off twice. Back at the con base, Starscream and Megatron are at it again. Starscream making fun of the fact that Megatron doesn't know what the machine he had Dirge retrieve even does. Megatron says it was locked up in Wheeljack's workshop on Cybertron. Which, look, I think it is a perfectly reasonable assumption if this thing was in Wheeljack's lab that it has the potential to make things go boom. Maybe, but I'm not sure it's a dip in the swamp is really going to have helped anything. It might just, you know, sparks and fizzle. <laughs> I mean... At Megatron's behest, Thrust turns the machine on, it wiggles violently, and then begins smoking. So, possibly. You would have thought that the giant alien robots would have been more sensible about the whole let all of this tech stuff dry out before trying it, but I guess not. Well, I mean, they don't seem to be affected by water. Would their tech be affected by water? Well, I mean, if it wasn't finished yeah, and okay, still had fair. open stuff. That's fair. Starscream mouths off, and uh, one bout of domestic violence later, Megatron finds a way to blame Starscream for it being dirty swamp water for so long. I wonder if it's gained some turtles. <laughs> Megatron is interrupted when Astrotrain lets it slip that they were recorded while retrieving this device. Ah, loose lips sink ships. Or something. <laughs> sink Decepticon retrieval operations. <laughs> and films. So Megatron, Starscream, and Soundwave head out to get that film. The fact that these guys actually know what film is is a bit interesting. I am more questioning the fact that this is highly flammable film that wasn't in a camera. They literally exploded, but this is cartoon logic, so carry on. That's true. That's true. I mean, maybe they'd switched out, like, the film that they were using and it just started a new one. I have no idea. I still feel like it shouldn't have survived. It really shouldn't have, considering that you're right, it's extremely flammable. The director is watching said footage with his stars. Not Harrison Ford, the Edzel guy, is much less excited than the director, as he doesn't know how this footage fits in with the movie. But the director has decided to rewrite the film so much, it's now a sci-fi movie. Yay! Not Harrison Ford is unhappy about this, so no yays. The director manages to get the Autobots back on set and gives them costumes this time. AKA funky rubber masks that the Autobots may not be able to see through. But they did get chairs with their names on the back now. I guess the unionizing got them somewhere. Or something. They need a better union boss. <laughs> they do. They film a scene where they are chasing after Karen Fishhook walking like zombies. Spike and Carly happen past the editing room where some poor woman is fruitlessly searching for some missing footage that has been stolen. And I mean, didn't it look like it was a mess in there? I think so, and I'm not really sure if, like, she was tearing everything apart, or if the implication was that, like, Rumble and Frenzy had torn the place apart. Like, I don't know why they just didn't light the entire room on fire. Maybe they're just not familiar with the flammability of the stuff. Possibly. Yeah. But it turns out that these are not the originals in this room, and the day is saved because Carly makes the lady realize that she can just get the film reprinted. Because these are not the master copies. In a hangar on the studio lot, Megatron is looking at the film and asks if they got all of it. 
Starscream takes the credit for yes, they, they definitely got all of it. Before Soundwave calls him out for his bullshit, uh, because they missed the negatives. Starscream deflects and suggests leveling the entire studio instead. As I was saying, but also... <laughs> yes, let's destroy the studio! Explosions always make you happy, Megatron! God, the fact that they're there and they have managed to miss the Autobots and the Autobots have managed to miss them. It's a very time. big studio lot. <laughs> and the humans have apparently missed that there's just giant robots hanging around. God. Maybe they think they're with the other ones? I mean, maybe. Now I want to actually see like what a contract for this would be like. <laughs> in another filming location, the Autobots are filming a scene in a fake space spaceship. Like, it's only got half of a spaceship, so they can film inside the thing. And then Rumble runs in and swaps the fake explosives under the thing for live explosives before making a hasty exit. Then we get one of my favorite tropes, voice actors having to pretend to be bad actors, as Powerglide and Warpath read some lines in a monotone voice. Mm -hmm. Then the fake explosives are set off, which proceeds to blow up the set. And the Autobots basically go flying a little. <laughs> Um, and then have to pull themselves out of the wreckage. Yep, I'm very surprised. Well, let's go with surprised, but also glad that none of the, um, I don't know, Foley and the people that would be, hold, like, moving stuff around weren't caught in that. Yeah, no kidding. Because, you know, there have to be a bunch of them on this movie. Yeah. Carly and Spike watch the missing footage, um, in... I don't know if they went to the theater or where they were, but they, they managed to watch the footage before getting shot at by Soundwave, who destroys the film. They run down to the vault and grab the negatives. Because, yeah, that door's just completely unlocked. While making their escape, they are cut off by Megatron. Who's just standing in a normal building hallway. Maybe he's mass-shifted. I mean, maybe it's Maybelline, but who knows? <laughs> oh no! Not Megatron, the eight-foot-tall robot! God, there are such weirdly big stairwells in that shot. Oh yeah, everything about that shot is just strange. Mm -hmm. Carly tosses an empty film canister at Megatron as a distraction. I mean, he doesn't know it's empty. And she and Spike run off. And right into Soundwave as they enter another set. And Soundwave, he looks fabulous today, by the way, uh, because for some reason his Decepticon symbol is all lit up and glowing. Coolio. The two escape into a bat clot, entering a jungle set, and eventually taking cover in some kind of cave. Well, at least we can take some consolation that they're probably using a hell of a lot of practical effects for this. <laughs> True. Spike then finds a control box on the ground and hands it off to Carly. Apparently it controls some robot dinosaurs and not the ones we're familiar with. <laughs> Though Rumble does mistake them for the Dinobots at first. Ooh. Spike and Carly run with the Decepticons in a not very close pursuit. The two have to deal with the trials and tribulations of being on a movie set where everything is fake. Honestly, this is weirdly like some Star Trek episodes. <laughs> I can see that, actually. It really is, and it's kind of unnerving that they managed to do this with this show. Yeah, right? They use some dummies in a wooden boat to dupe the Decepticons so that they can get away from them. And then they meet up with Hoist and lead the cons into another set. A medieval dungeon-esque one this time. Hoist threatens to dump the humans into some lava along with the negatives. 
and Hoist, being a conscientious robot, actually pays attention to his acting and drops the kids and fires on Megatron. The rest of the Autobots begin firing, and Megatron flees as he assumes the negative have been destroyed, which is all he really wanted. Yep. Spike and Carly are fine, of course, because a movie set would not have real lava. I mean, how would they contain it? <laughs> yes. Though the way this director is, I feel like he would attempt it. Yeah. Yeah. Now I want to see an AU where Megatron's so impressed with evil hoist that he tries to recruit him. <laughs> that actually sounds fun. Mm -hmm. Sometime later, the humans and the Autobots watch the footage, now having been joined by Wheeljack. Who just laughs because the device never worked. If it had, he'd have taken it with him. The director offers Hoist a leading role, but Hoist turns him down. And then animation layer madness happens with a Sunstreaker appearing to step on the humans. <laughs> Coming up next, the Decepticon baby boom in The Key to Vector Sigma Part 1. Which should be fun. <laughs> AKA the Decepticons get some cars. <laughs> and uh, we should have some fanfic recommendations for the day. Yep. I only found one, I think. So our first fanfic recommendation for today is Unsung Heroes by Draco Queen 22 It's in the IDW G1 series. It's a rated G, it's Gen because there's no pairings, and our characters are Hoist, First Aid, Ratchet, Gears, and Catscan. In summary, there were times Hoist was envious of Ratchet's skill, and then there were times he was most glad not to be in Ratchet's place. And our character theme here is Hoist, and it's a one-shot. And so Owls also has a recommendation today. So my fic for today is called Carded. It's by it's by Alex. It is in the IDW continuity. It is rated T. It is Gen. There are no pairings. Our two characters are Megatron and Impactor. And in summary, two miners try to walk into a bar. Oh dear, I bet that wasn't so successful. <laughs> and it is part of another series that I have recommended the other two parts for, which is Confined Spaces. Um, there's no theme around, it's just my wild tidbit for the day. <laughs> it is funny, though. And that just about wraps it up for us today. Remember to check us out on Tumblr or Pillowfort as AfterSpark-Podcast for any additional information, show notes, or links we may have mentioned. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at AfterSparkPod, all one word, and various other locations by searching for AfterSpark Podcasts such as AO3, iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, just to name a few. And feel free to send us questions on Tumblr, YouTube, and or AO3. Till next time, I'm Specs. And I'm Alice. Toodles!